the future is now in Oakland. Hasn't translated into wins yet, but hey, that's fine. It's cool. It's it's whatever. Zach Geloff and Tyler Soderstrom are here. We get to watch them on a daily basis. So I got some quick takeaways from their first few games. And then a little bit later, we're going to be talking about the MLB draft and some of the A's signees and uh, draft picks that haven't signed yet. So we're going to do all of that today on Locked on A's. You are Locked on A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. How's it going, A's fans? And welcome to episode 593 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's show, we're talking about Zach Galloff. We're talking about Tyler Soderstrom. We're talking about a bunch of draftees and then some things about John Fisher later. So um, that's what we got coming up for you guys. There was a, there was an article written in SFGate. If you know which one I'm talking about, we're going to talk about that for a second. And uh, some some larger implications, maybe. That's what that third segment is. That's what the, the, the food for thought segment is a little bit later. But uh, today, we're going to start off talking about prospects, talking about the future of A's baseball. I know that it could be in Vegas, but I'm going to try and be excited anyway, because hey, why not? It's not these kids' fault. These kids seem delightful. We're going to make sure that you know that these guys are delights. Absolute delights. So that's what we got coming up for you guys on today's show. But before we get into anything, uh, thank you so much for making Locked On A's your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. If you're on YouTube right now, make sure to subscribe. If you're not on YouTube right now, go to YouTube and subscribe. Uh, make sure to like and comment down below and uh, follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm a by Jason B on Twitter. Check out Inside the A's for more A's news insight and analysis coming your way whenever A's news happens. That's Inside the A's. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, that is Game Time. Uh, also, so couple of quick things. Uh, I also write for Sports Not. That's a thing that uh, coming up tomorrow, I believe, I'm going to have an article going about uh, some under-the-radar trade deadline pickups that should be available. So look for that one. And then for Inside the A's, I'm going to be doing a more A-centric one talking about some ace players that could be traded. I'm going to may maybe I'll ask some guys about what they think about potentially getting traded from this team. Um, and that'll be coming up for you guys probably tomorrow or Thursday. So check out those sites for more of that. But let's get into today's episode where Zach Galloff and Tyler Soderstrom are now Oakland Athletics. That Them getting to Oakland was fantastic. And I know that uh, I, I haven't recorded in a few days, so I'm behind. I apologize. We're not, we're not going to go through all the stories about how they got here and what we, all the stuff. No, we're going to kind of just jump in right now. Soderstrom was a 2020 uh, draftee. Uh, he, he was a number 26. I don't know. He was a late round pick out of high school. He's 21 years old. He's doing great. Uh, Zach Geloff was picked out of uh, in the first round. First round? That sounds right. Um, in 2021, he's 23 years old. He's doing great. Um, they are good kids. I, I thoroughly enjoy these guys, uh, particularly Zach Geloff. He has a lot of personality. I tend to go towards guys with personality a little bit more because I 
also think that I have personality. And, uh, you know, I'm hip. I'm young. I wear a backwards hat. It's cool. I'm like Joey Gallo hanging out with Ellie Dela Cruz <laughs> in the Ace Clubhouse. I don't wear the hat in the clubhouse. That's that's whatever. Uh, quick stat blast for you guys on how these guys have been doing in Oakland so far. Zach Galoff is 4 for 15. That's a 267 batting average. He has a 313 on base. Uh, two RBI, two stolen bases, three runs scored. He's been cool. Uh, his first uh, game, I think it was a second at bat, third at second at bat, he got a hit. Yes. Uh, second at bat was cool. He had a, a I'm going to say a ringing double off the top of the wall. And uh, we, we kind of thought that thing was gone. It was not. Uh, I think they also went to review on that one. It's been a few days. I, I think that it got reviewed. It was, it was a double. It was fine. Uh, and he said post game that as the ball left his bet, he was looking at the scoreboard to see what the exit velocity was to see if it had a chance. And he was, and then he started blowing. He just started to try and get that ball over the fence. And uh, that, that's the kind of, the, the details that Zach Geloff brings to a story that I appreciate. Uh, he, it left his bat and he's like, what was the exit velocity on that? Because he knows those things. Kids these days know those things. That's fantastic. Uh, Tyler Soderstrom is three for 13 with a 231 batting average, 333 on base. Uh, quick takeaways uh, from, you know, just your first handful of games. Uh, very small sample sizes that we are working with. Nothing to build a Hall of Fame resume or, you know, say that they're a bust has been built just yet. But quick takeaways here. Um, Zach Geloff was thrown a curveball. I forget the pitcher in his third at bat. Uh, it was below the zone um, and he swung over the top of it. And then next pitch, almost the same exact location, same pitch. It was the curveball, almost same exact location. It laid off of that one. And I, I asked him about a post game. He's like, yeah. It happens. It's, it's one of the better parts of my games, being able to recognize pitches and control the zone and doing those things. So yeah, I, I felt good about that and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so that was cool. Um, that That's something to look for. And that I got excited about with Zach Geloff very quickly was, hey, he's he's going to be all right. Um, for Soderstrom, he's got a couple of walks. That's good. That's part of his game is controlling the zone. Another part of his game is hitting the snot out of the ball. He hasn't quite done that as much yet i think his hardest hit ball was like 102 which was like basically his average in las vegas uh again 21 years old and it's been a what, four games he'll be fine uh speaking of he'll be fine here's some catcher stats from the one stolen base that he allowed um he has an exchange rate which is how quickly it goes from the glove to the hand the exchange rate of 0.87 seconds that's really slow, according to stats, apparently. Uh, I think that the fastest was like 0 0.6 seconds, 0 0.5. JT Realmuto is really, really good. And uh, so that that 0 0.87 from Soderstrom ranks, uh, sorry, I was going to say 70th, 90th out of 90 catchers this season with at least one attempt. So it could have been, again, first stolen base, of the of his big league career, first game catching of his big league career, you, you, you see this with like a John Carlos Stanton hits a mammoth blast with his first home run of the season, first batted ball of the season. It goes a hundred or a million miles an hour off the bat, and then you're like, "Wow, that's what he's gonna be forever." And then he's not. It gets better. The, it ba these things balance each other out. So let's see how this progresses. But I'm just saying, 
there were some questions about him from uh, the fan base. They got to see him actually catch a little bit during spring trading. That that's not great. That's not a great number. Something to keep an eye on. It's, I'm not saying that he's that he's bad. Something to keep an eye on. That's important. Uh, his pop time was also the worst <laughs> at 2.26 seconds, which is really really slow. Um, I think that uh, Shay is. I, I forget Shay, but I know that uh, like Sean Murphy last year was like one eight, I believe. So. <laughs> A lot faster, and those are things that you kind of need to to be good at to be an effective catcher. Else, they're just going to keep running on you. And uh, I don't know that A's fans need a retelling of the 2014 wild card game uh, told constantly. That was not fun. I would not like to relive that anymore. Please make it stop. Uh, but again, it's one attempt, and it was the first stolen base attempt of his career. Let's see how it is at the end of the month or, you know, at the end of a month of play for him in the big leagues. That's when we can start being like, oh, this might be bad. Maybe he should be a first baseman or a DH or move him to left field or something. Maybe that's something that we consider for next year. But for right now, we're seeing how he has a gadger. First return, not great, but it's a work in progress. He's 21 years old. Let's give it a sec. Let's give it a sec. Uh, also, just fun thing. Zach Gellif has a lot of personality. Um, and that I, I think that he's going to be a, a huge fan favorite very quickly. Uh, what, once you get him on like a post game or something like that, uh, and people can hear him talk and watch how he plays, he's going to be a big fan favorite. Uh, he has a last dive bar hat in his locker in the clubhouse. Uh, his family had last dive bar gear on at his debut game. It's pretty cool. They're, they're a good family. <laughs> they're a good, good time. And uh, Zach Galloff, in his introductory, it wasn't a press conference, but it's, you know, introductory scrum. Uh, he talked about, you know, like, hey, I, I send out the tweet of me and Tyler Soderstrom uh, last week, you know, because the fans, they, they need something to be happy about. It's been, it's been rough for them this year. And I was trying to just, you know, bring some lightness to it and all that stuff. I'm paraphrasing. That's not exactly what he said, but you know, it, it was basically like, it, it's been a rough go. I'm trying to, you know, do what I can kind of thing. And that was pretty cool of him. Uh, his dad, Adam, uh, also in his announcement of his son getting called up said, Hey, yeah, we're coming to last dive bar. We're, we're down for this. Let's go. Um, and you know, said that we're, we're here for the, we are here crowd and uh, just knowing what's going on when your son is getting called up is awesome. That is so, so cool. And uh, I, I like Zach Eloff quite a bit. Um, I, I like Soderstrom too. He's, he's more straightforward and like, here's the answer that you were looking for. Next question. Whereas Zach Galoff is going to tell you that he, he was blowing on the ball that he hit. Or he was asleep when he got the call and then his phone was dead. And then this, there's more... There's more, uh, you know, adjectives that go with his answers. And so as a reporter, sort of, uh, I appreciate that. And so Zach Galloff has been a lot of fun. I'm sure that I will get there with Tyler Soderstrom as well. But early returns, Zach Galloff is awesome. You're going to love him. Uh, that's it. Speaking of other guys that you're going to love, we're going to talk about the MLB draft. There's one guy that uh, looks to be somebody that the A's are kind of banking on long term. Uh, hopefully he pans out. So we're going to go over uh, the, the top 11 picks, the first 10 rounds, and uh, see where the A's stand with their bonus pool. What needs to happen so they don't, or, you know, basically where they are, where they are right now with who they have signed, how much they have signed for, and all of that good stuff. But before we do, today's episode is brought to you by 
game time. And if you've ever bought tickets for any event, you know how stressful it can be. Are there tickets? What, what, what's the vantage point for these tickets? I don't know. It, it can be absolutely stressful for somebody like me that does not like going outside. I want to know what time it starts. Are there tickets? Uh, what is the vantage point of these tickets? And that's why game time is amazing because you know the, the details of the event that you're looking for, but also you can find out how much the tickets cost with fees and everything, which is an absolutely key feature for me. I don't need to be surprised by hidden fees when I'm buying tickets. I don't like that. I don't think a lot of people like that. That's why game time is amazing because you can just turn on the little button that tells you exactly how much it'll be with the fees and the taxes and everything. You get your final total it, as you're scrolling through looking for tickets for your event. And you can also see the vantage point of the event that you are looking to go to, which is another, those are my two key features for this app. They're absolutely amazing. So you can snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on MLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And that is the game time app. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for me you know, making Lockdown Ace your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. And if you also want to just catch the A's game, you don't want to hear this voice. You want to hear the, the hometown broadcast. You can download the SiriusXM app and catch the A's with the hometown broadcast when you download the SXM app. Just search for athletics and you can get that game going on your mobile device. Uh, real quick, I'm going to take just a little sip. Ah, that is delightful. Uh, cherry limeade Waterloo that uh, had been sitting in my sister's garage for months. And she said, I don't want these. So I took them. Uh, and now, now I get to be refreshed while talking to you about the A's. What a life we live. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about the MLB draft. Um, we're going to, I'm just going to run down the picks and what they signed for, what the slot value was, and then we're going to do some math at the end, and we're going to have some conclusions. Welcome to segment two. Uh, first round pick, Jacob Wilson. He signed. He was introduced to the media. He talked to the media for like four and a half minutes yesterday. Um, he took BP on the field. He's he signed. Number one pick, number six overall pick, Jacob Wilson. Uh, the slot value on that one was 6.6. I'm going to round $6.6 million. He signed for 5.5. They saved a little bit of money on that one, which is key for a little bit later. So keep that in mind. They saved, we're going to talk about that here in a second, uh, the the uh, the middle pick, the collective burning pick, whatever it's called, um, competitive balance. That's the one. Collective burning, uh, competitive balance. It's competitive balance. Uh, Miles Naylor, who is cousins with uh, Denzel Clark, is a uh, prospect. And also brother to Bo and the other one, uh, Josh. Is it Josh Naylor of Cleveland? Um, so, yeah, we got uh, Miles and his cousin going against the Naylor brothers in Cleveland. That could be a fun rivalry. I got to say, that could be a lot of fun. Um, he signed exactly at slot value at 2.2. We're going to call it $2.2 million. And so that is where he is at. Um, then we got... Outfielder Ryan Lasco, he signed for a little bit under slot 
at $1.7 million. That's about a savings of almost $400,000. The slot was almost 2.1. So it's like 395 if you want to be very specific. Uh, and then the guy that they've saved a lot of money for is Steven Echevarria. Uh, Echevarria, I think is actually how David Force said it. Echevarria. I want to say Echevarria every time. And then I think about, uh, I can't remember his name, the Angels broadcaster who worked at MLB Network. Uh, doesn't matter. When he would go, Santa Maria, I'm always like, Echevarria. Even though that's not it. So that's why I mispronounce his name. And I am I might keep doing it. And I'm going to try not to, but it's Echevarria. Echevarria. Uh, fun side note, over the weekend, I wrote an article about uh, the, the press conference that David Forrest did uh, on Friday when they were calling up their top two <laughs> prospects. And I asked him about the MLB draft. And I was like, hey, I know that we're here to celebrate other things. But, but, the MLB draft just passed. And uh, is there a, a pick that fell to you that you were excited to see fall to you that you were surprised to see when they got to you. I phrased it better than that, but basically who were you surprised that uh, you were able to draft? And he said that Steven Echevarria is that guy. And he said that they, they talked to him beforehand uh, on in between uh, day one and day two. So they, they knew what his number was. They, he didn't say that, but you can imply they knew what his number was. And so they took him and uh, he's a high school righty. I'm excited about him. He has four pitches. He can command them all. He can touch 98. We'll see what happens here, but he could be a legit guy before too long. I want to see what he does. Hopefully he pitches this year. If he doesn't, then whatever. It's fine. Maybe we'll see him a little bit next year, but he signed for $3 million, which is almost three times the slot value. He signed for almost... $2 million over slot, $1.9943 million over slot. Love it. Uh, they also drafted with the fourth pick, another high school already, Cole Miller, uh, who was signed for almost $350,000 over slot. And so they got a couple of over slot guys right there. They saved a little bit of money, but not quite enough. So we're going to get into that here in just a second. Uh, they also got Nathan Detmer for uh, $35,000 under slot. Jonah Cox, who is an outfielder. Oh, sorry, Detmer is a uh, righty, a right-handed pitcher. Uh, Jonah Cox signed today, I believe, for uh, 55 under slot. Uh, then they got Nate uh, Nankill, who's another outfielder. He signed for $24,000 over slot. Uh, you got Jackson Finley and Tom Reisinger, uh, who have not signed yet. And then Corey Avant, who, fun fact, uh, he's from Wingate University, and he is the highest pick out of Wingate University out of a D2 school. Wingate is a D2 school. I phrased that incorrectly. He is the highest pick out of Wingate in their entire illustrious history. And so that's kind of cool. That, that's that's who the A's got. And also the, uh, the Giants drafted, uh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, but uh, they drafted somebody from Wingate just a couple of years ago, and he's doing pretty good this year. So we'll see what happens with these Wingate fellas in the Bay Area. But uh, he signed it right at slot value. So I ran the numbers, and they have uh, basically they are $746,700 over slot currently. They're, they're not quite a million dollars, but they're over their allotted bonus pool from these first te uh, 10 picks. Uh, whatever happens with the next picks, as I understand it, kind of doesn't matter because it's not part of you know the, the whole bonus pool. 
uh, or you know the, the slot values. It might work for the bonus pool, but it doesn't work for slot values. So this might end up being a, a big nothing burger. But um, basically, they need to be within zero to five percent over their allotted pool, which is like fourteen million dollars and change, um, in order to not get taxed or like lose picks and stuff. So they need to be able to sign these guys and they can't just like not sign them because that also their, their money just gets subtracted from the pool and that doesn't help them get under. So they need to actually sign these guys for under slot deals, which is interesting. It, this is as far as I understand it. I, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. <laughs> um, so they are $712,000 uh, 712, $780,000. That's what I meant to say. Uh, over the pool, that is, um, no, sorry, that is what it, 5% over the pool is. We're going to start this over. So for their pool, 5% over their draft pool, their, their bonus pool allotment would be $712,780. That is 5% over. They are currently 747, let's call it over right now. So they, they have to make up roughly $35,000 um, in signing guys to underslot deals. Can they do it? We'll see. Um, but th that's kind of a big ask when the guys that haven't signed are the eight and the nine pick. And uh, the eight pick was worth uh, $218,000. And the number nine pick was uh, 185. So, uh, hey, we'll see if they can save a bunch of money. Uh, but hey, I... I I don't want those to lose any picks. That would not be great for the team overall and the you know, building of the future. But I like some of the guys that they signed already. We'll go into more detail at some point. Uh, you know, I got I, I want to talk to some of the, the draft people on the network or, you know, maybe Jim Callis. I don't know. Jim Callis is probably too busy for me, but hey, why not? I went to the All-Star game. I saw him in the airport <laughs> coming home from Seattle. Um, but anyways, actually, before we go into the third segment, you might be wondering, what's up with this hat? Well, I like hats. You guys know this. Um, and so I got this this Mariners hat. I thought that it was cool. I saw it on Monday. There you go. It says Midsummer Classic 2023 Seattle. And it is like bright teal. Um, I saw it on Monday when I was looking for mementos for the family. And I was like, oh, that's a cool hat. I don't know that I can pull that hat off. And then I was walking around the game on Tuesday and I saw somebody wearing this hat. And I was like, that, that guy is really pulling that hat off. I think I need that hat. So then I went and found it. <laughs> so welcome to the My All-Star <laughs> stories. I got a few of them, uh, but those will be for other days. Coming up on the show, though, we're going to be talking about John Fisher and uh, some of his donations, which we'll see if they have an impact on his ownership of the Oakland A's. So uh, stay locked in, you guys. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm by Jason B on Twitter. Check out Inside the A's for more A's news insight and analysis coming your way whenever A's news happens. It's at Inside the A's. I also write for Sportsnet twice a week, uh, along with Dan Connolly, noted Orioles beat writer. Uh, he, he's he's on Sportsnet. Legit place to work, Sportsnet. Uh, I like it there. They're good people. So uh, if you haven't checked out Sports Not before, check it out. They cover all of the sports very quickly. Uh, it, it's it's good coverage. If you want some quick hits, Sports Not got you covered. If you want some some MLB columns, I've got you covered. Dan Connolly probably does too. He wrote about Louisa Rice today. Anyways, 
Let's talk a little bit about John Fisher and uh, the shenanigans that he's up to these days. Uh, SF Gate is reporting that he he made a bit of a donation to a, uh, a presidential candidate on the GOP side, and I'm not gonna I'm not trying to talk politics. I'm not I'm not trying to do any of that stuff right now. I'm just trying to say, hey, here's what happened. Here's some history. The end, and then we'll get out of here and we'll have a good day. But John Fisher reportedly donated to the Nevada governor, or sorry, not Nevada. Um, the North Dakota governor and uh, GOP presidential long, long shot. He's got like an, he's pulling it under 1%. I think it's 0 0.03 or sorry, 0 0.3 is where he's pulling right now. Not great. I don't want to use his name because I don't want him to get over 1%. Doesn't sound like a great guy to me personally. Anyways, not talking politics. Uh, it's not really shocking that a, an owner of any sports team would do this. That's not the shocking part. Um, but some of the stuff that uh, the North Dakota governor has done is necessarily the stuff that you necessarily want associated with your league, um, especially when you're you're having some issues on these fronts already. Uh, he has put in some of the most restrictive abortion rights, which is something that, again, not I'm just talking about quick things. I'm talking about PR. That's that's what we're talking about. MLB is a big entity. They don't want to be associated with these things. Uh, very restrictive laws uh, concerning abortion and also gender-affirming care. And so that's the guy that John Fisher is backing and also the, the whole Fisher family, I believe. Uh, so that's fun. And so I don't want to talk about the candidate at all or anything that he's doing. That does not matter to this podcast or to me. Well, it matters a little bit to me, but it doesn't matter to the podcast. So we're not going to talk about it. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, instead, this is Kind of like one of those stories that you hear not quite Donald Sterling-esque with the Clippers before he was forced to sell. But, you know, one of those things where you're like, huh, that's not good. Maybe they shouldn't be doing that. And uh, so I'm not saying that it made me hopeful that maybe the other owners will kick him out. I'm just saying that if there's some other stuff like this or if he's doing some of this stuff, like... If there's video of him doing this, uh, anything, you know, uncouth, let's say, um, then, you know, then that is when the owners could push him out uh, as an owner of an MLB franchise. I don't think that we're there yet. We've seen the Ricketts in Chicago do uh, some, some not great things. We've seen other uh, owners around baseball do some not great things, and uh, they're still doing okay. But the Ricketts are, uh, you know, they're trying sometimes they're not you know trying to uproot a baseball team as well um so there's th there's many facets to this one i think and uh i don't think that this is enough to get him removed from ownership uh already but I, it's, it is another thing that uh makes you wonder hey why would the other owners back this guy he is not good for this league at all uh, they can, they're good with, you know, other owners are good with incompetence. They're fine with not being competitive, but when you start going into some of these social issues a little bit more, you know, making more noise and bringing negative attention to the league, that's when they start to really, this is owners in all leagues. Uh, that's when they start to be like, Hey, I don't know if we need this guy around anymore. So if John Fisher keeps getting stories like this or, you know, other, other issues uh, written about him and, uncovered about him that could be when things start happening but i don't think that we're there yet 
but just some food for thought on that one on the John Fisher front. Obviously, I don't like the guy. He's trying to take my favorite team away, and that makes me sad. Uh, but, eh, you know, at this point, maybe it's better to start off with a new team. Because <laughs> I'm already starting to like cut the, cut the ties in my heart where I'm like, I don't know, then they're fine, I guess. Do I want to try and root for another team? Do I want to just be a general fan? I think right now I'm like just a general baseball fan. Although, if you haven't been to Seattle, it's amazing. Um, the, the ballpark's fantastic. Go to Seattle. Go catch a ball game. Um, it's a good, good time. I was like, oh, this is this is a nice functioning stadium you got here. It's pretty cool. Where are the cats? Um, also, <laughs> I was leaving the game on Friday from the Coliseum, and there was a cat outside, and I thought about bringing it home. Uh, I didn't. It was one of those feral cats. Also, my son's allergic. That's really why I didn't. <laughs> I was like, hey, I should bring this cat home. No, I can't. My son will break out in hives. So I didn't. Uh, but anyways, that is all that I got for you guys today on tomorrow's show. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the draft. Uh, I, I'm not sure when tomorrow's show will be up just because I'm going to the game uh, tomorrow, talking to the A's, talking to the Red Sox, going to write a couple of pieces. Um, so hopefully I get that up for you guys at some point tomorrow. We'll see. But we'll figure it out. If not, we'll do a back, you know, one on the back end during the weekend. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to get better at doing more episodes because I haven't been doing you guys justice on that front. So we're going to talk about A's baseball. We're going to try to be A's fans a little bit more. So, uh, you yeah, know, let's try that. As I wear a Roberto Clemente shirt and a Mariners hat. We're going to be A's fans again, you guys. Uh, anyways, that's all for me today, guys. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, A's fans. We'll talk to you guys soon.